Good morning, and welcome to my podcast on Simple Faith. It's good to be with you once again. Let's begin our time with a word of prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to gather in your presence, to hear your word, and to allow ourselves to fellowship with you. I've said before, and I will say it again, Lord, that this is the greatest time of our day when we can spend it with you. So, Father, I pray that you would anoint us once again with your Holy Spirit. Open our hearts that we would be receptive to your word, our minds that we would understand it, and our lives that we would apply it to ourselves individually and then share it with those who've not heard. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, friends, turn with me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. As always, I'm reading out of the Amplified Version, so if mine sounds a little different than yours, this is the reason why. Uh, Let me just give to you a little recap. Uh, Yesterday, I spoke about the oneness that we have in Christ, and for those who may have missed that message, it's just the fact that Paul has written to the Ephesians a word of encouragement. He's not dealing with a church problem. He's not dealing with other situations that have arisen in the churches in the surrounding areas. But he's written to them that their faith may be strengthened. And so he says to them in the first six verses that there is a oneness, a unity, a camaraderie within the body of Christ. And then as we lead into the seventh verse, Paul says this, Yet grace, in other words, God's undeserved favor, was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately, but in different ways, in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and abundant gift. Therefore, in light of, in other words, as we look at that word therefore, we think, what is the therefore, therefore? Paul is grabbing a hold of everything that he's said thus far and bringing it into this verse. He says, therefore, in light of everything else, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he bestowed gifts on men. Verse 9, now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also previously descended from the heights of heaven into the lower parts of the earth. Let me pause just a moment and let's grasp a picture of what uh, Paul is trying to paint for us. Paul is saying, listen, the one who came to die for our sins first left his heavenly abode. He, from the very beginning, even before Time began as we know time. Christ existed. He created. He was part of that creation process. And it says that he who was God, God was now going to come in the flesh and he descended down to the lower parts of the earth. In other words, he didn't just come to the earth but he lived in the belly of the earth for three days. Verse 10, 
he who descended is the very same as he who also has ascended high above the heavens that he, in other words, his presence might fill all things, that is, the whole universe. So Christ who has gone into the depth of the darkness of earth has now ascended not just to heaven but above the heavens that his presence, his radiance might fill all things. That is the whole universe. And his gifts, verse 11, to the church were varied and he himself appointed some as apostles. In other words, special messengers or representatives. He appointed some as prophets, those who speak a new message from God to the people. Some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation. And some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. Verse 12 says, And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for the works of his servants to build up the body of Christ, the church. Let's again pause and look at verses 11 and 12 once again. It says that various gifts were given to the church, the church being the body of Christ. It's not a physical uh, building. Sometimes when we tell people we're going to church, we're saying, I'm going to a physical building. And yet we ourselves are the church because the church is the body of Christ. And so he says that he, Paul says, that he, Christ, has given gifts to the church which were varied. In other words, all of us don't have the same gift. Some of us have the gift of apostleship. Some have been given the gift of prophecy. In other words, being able to foretell the, a message from God to the people. Some as evangelists. There are some very effective evangelists. Uh, one of the most effective in the Church of the Nazarene was Stephen Manley. And Dr. Manley had a way of putting things to where he could just penetrate your soul with the word of the Lord. And he spread the good news of the gospel of salvation. And Paul says that Christ appointed some as pastors and teachers. In other words, some that would shepherd and guide and instruct. Verse 12 says, the reason he did this is to fully equip and perfect the saints. In other words, God's people. Yes, that means you. Oh, I know. We are embarrassed to think of ourselves as saints. But friends, the truth of the matter is, if you are God's people, if you belong to Him, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that's exactly who you are. And he says, Christ gave these gifts to fully equip and perfect us for works of service to build up the body of Christ, the church. He did not give us these gifts that we might exalt in ourselves, that we might lift up ourselves, that we might 
build up ourselves, that we might boast in the things that we've done. The sole purpose is to equip and perfect us for the works of service so that the whole body, the body of Christ, the church, would be built up. Verse 13, until we reach, or we all reach, oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measures of the fullness of Christ, manifesting His spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. Let me pause again and say about verse 13, that when I read this, that it talks about growing spiritually, it reminds me that we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are to be lifelong learners. We will never know everything that we need to know or everything that the Word of God reveals to us until we come face to face with Him. But we are called to be ones who grow spiritually on a daily basis. Paul said, I die daily. And probably one of the most profound statements that I ever heard in regard to being a lifelong learner came from a dear friend, Phil Batten. Phil ran an inner city ministry in Cleveland, Ohio called Heaven Train. Phil held five different degrees, a bachelor's, two masters, two doctorates, and he was working on a third doctorate. And often in our times of fellowship, as we talked about education, as we talked about being lifelong learners, Phil would say to me very bluntly, do you know what all that education means? Do you know what it tells me? And of course I didn't. So I would say, what? And he kind of smiled and he said, it tells me how much I don't know. Not look at me. Look at the degrees I have. Look at all the things that I've learned. But look at how much I don't know. Let's pick up in verse 14. Paul says that we are to be manifesting uh, his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. Verse 14. So that we are no longer ch uh, children. There are some people that seem to be satisfied with the fact that they've been born again. And yet, that is the furthest that they go in their spiritual walk. They are spiritually immature. They have what they need for salvation, but they're not growing in their faith in their relationship. And it says they're tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by the cunning and trickery, trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. This is why it is crucial 
it is vital, it is essential that you and I do not remain spiritually immature, that we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we become born again, that we become sanctified entirely, but then that we continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus because there are people out there ready to deceive us, ready to bring about a new doctrine, and they're unscrupulous because by deceitful scheming, they're ready to do anything for personal profit. It's not about God to them. It's about what benefit does this bring to me? But speaking, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love in all things, both our speech and our lives expressing his truth, let us grow up in all things into him following his example, who is the head, Christ. Let's pray. Father, your word is so rich and full. And there is no way in the time slot that we allow ourselves to hold these devotional messages, to dig into everything that you are revealing in your word. This is why it's crucial, Lord, that your children reread the passage that we go over. And then you say, I heard what Kelly had to say, but I want to know how does this message apply to my life personally? And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring that revelation in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, friends, so good to be with you. I just count it a blessing and a privilege to each day spend a few moments with you looking at the Word of God in a simple faith relationship. Would you do me a favor? Would you retweet this message? Would you send it out through Instagram? Would you put it on your Facebook or through Messenger? Or maybe simply call someone up and say, you know what, I heard this message and here was what the preacher was saying, but then God showed me this. Share it with those who need to hear the Word of God. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you.